All right. Welcome this morning, everybody, to uh, services here at Blue Ridge Church. Um, of course, by now, everybody, I'm sure, is very much aware of Mr. Hawkins' uh, passing this week. Um, uh, I have talked to Steve a few times, and, uh, you know, needless to say, this has been a shock. Um, but they're taking it as much in stride as possible. Um, he... Um, uh, he and Mr. Hawkins had talked about this before, you know, Mr. Hawkins passing and everything. So that's why uh, Mr. Hawkins uh, uh, desired cremation. And so that's why there's going to be the uh, receiving of friends next Saturday from 10 o'clock to noon at Bean Funeral Home. Uh, and then there will be a very short memorial service uh, afterward. Um, but other than that, Steve says they are getting along really well. Um, Needless to say, uh, it was a shock to him. It was a shock to his sisters. Um, and, uh, you know, but everybody's taking in as, as well as they can and everything like that. Uh, Steve had talked about trying to be here today, but then he had a, a little bit of health concern yesterday. So uh, he decided to stay home this morning. I said, that makes that's fine. That makes perfect sense. You know, stay home and rest. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be happy to do the sermon and everything here for the church today. Uh, and so we will uh, obviously pray for him and his family and the peace that God brings during this very stressful time. And so does anybody have other prayer requests for us today? Kathy. Uh, Ezra Lawman, uh, son of Jason and Joy Lawman, he had been needing a kidney transplant yesterday. He got one okay. in Charlotte. And so praise God. He's, uh, as of the last word we heard, he's doing well. Uh, everything's going, going well for him. Good. What was the name again? Ezra Lennon. Ezra Lennon. 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 Ezra Lennon. Okay. All right. Good. Oh, absolutely. Very much a praise. Uh huh. All right. Others? The war in Ukraine. The war in Ukraine. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Uh, very much so. All right. Others? Other requests? Remember our community. Our community. Okay. All right. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, man. Most gracious, wonderful, kind, heavenly Father, um, we come to you today upon the Sabbath day, upon this day to celebrate and worship and glorify you, heavenly Father. You provided us with a very beautiful day outside, heavenly Father, with the sun shining and the birds chirping in this beautiful spring day, and we thank you for all of that, heavenly Father, and the ability to gather here. Of course, heavenly Father, our pastor is... Uh, uh, grieving this morning. We understand with the death of his father, uh, but we know, Heavenly Father, that you will comfort him with your spirit. That's uh, what you do is you cover the uh, all those who are hurting and suffering and who suffered loss, Heavenly Father. But we lift him and his family up to you this morning and uh, in this time of grief, and uh, we know that you will uh, touch him and help him and help all of them through this particular difficult time, Heavenly Father. And uh, We'll come out on the other end stronger, as always, and growing in you, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the uh, kidney that uh, uh, Ezra Lennon received. Uh, always a blessing, Heavenly Father, to uh, for him to move forward to uh, receive the new kidney. We also pray for our community, Heavenly Father. There's just so many things going on in the community that uh, are negative or seems to be negative or that... Uh, just cry out for your intervention, Heavenly Father, for you to uh, intercede. In our world, too, Heavenly Father, the war in Ukraine, we know, Heavenly Father, that 
Uh, it was started by a mad despot, Heavenly Father. But we know you have you allow these things, and you uh, uh, know the reasons, Heavenly Father, even if we do not. And so we ask you to take care of the people of Ukraine, uh, the people, the children. We've all seen the war footage, Heavenly Father, and uh, we ask you to intervene to uh, bring this conflict to a very quick end, so that uh, no more casualties will occur, Heavenly Father. And of course, Heavenly Father, we just ask in general your blessing upon our lives. Each and every one of us are very busy with the things that we do and all, but please never let us forget to stop and to thank you and to glorify you and to praise you for our life in general and the things that you allow us to do. Be with us here today, Blue Ridge Heavenly Father, as we sing and preach your word, uh, all of it in glory to you. And we thank you and bless you and we appreciate everything. And in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. He is exalted, number 296. Redeemed, number 283. 
Actually, uh, not going first today, and uh, wh why we have a first, second, third today uh, is we're going to be going through Leviticus 7, 8, and 9 today. And the reason for that is um, we uh, wanted to obviously make sure Steve uh, didn't have to prepare a bunch and, and whatnot for today. Um, but at the same time, we didn't have a ton of time to prepare, but uh, I, I figured it was. It's always great when you can hear a lot of scripture because, um, you know, yes, we can get up here and talk for an hour for every chapter or verse or whatever, and there's there's all sorts of commentary and, and perhaps it's good and, and whatnot, but uh, really the, uh, the the words in the scripture are the words of God, and uh, so that's, that's the more important part. So what we're going to do is uh, 
Ian's going to come up and uh, read for us uh, Leviticus 7 and perhaps provide a couple minutes of um, a homily, I guess, is the word for a short sermon on that. Um, I'll, I'll come up and do the same for 8, and then Russell will come up and do the same for 9. So you get 3 for the price of 1 today, uh, which which will be good. Um, and uh, it, it personally helps me a little bit for Leviticus, uh, because for me sometimes the application is a little bit difficult, but uh, Ian most certainly disagrees, so we're going to have him come up and uh, take it away. <laughs> the law of the guilt offering it is most holy in the place where they kill the burnt offering they shall kill the guilt offering and its blood shall be thrown against the side of the altar and all its fat shall be offered the fat tail the fat that covers the entrails the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys the priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering to the lord it is a guilt offering every male among the priests may eat of it it shall be eaten in a holy place it is most holy. The guilt offering is just like a sin offering. There is one law for them. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it. And the priest who offers any man's burnt offering shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering that he has offered. And every grain offering baked in the oven and all that is prepared on a pan or a griddle shall belong to the priest who offers it. And every grain offering mixed with oil or dry shall be shared equally among all the sons of Aaron. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. If he offers it for thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the thanksgiving sacrifice. Unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour uh, well mixed with oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall bring his offering with loaves of leavened bread. And from it he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. You shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice. On the next day, what remains of it shall be eaten. But what remains of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned up with fire. If any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten on the third day, he who offers it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be credited to him. It is tainted, and he who eats of it shall bear his iniquity. Flesh that touches any clean thing, any, any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned up with fire. All who are clean may eat flesh, but the person who eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offering, while and uncleanness is on him, that person shall be cut off from his people. And if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether human uncleanness or any unclean beast or anything or any unclean detestable creature, and then eat some flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offering, that person shall be cut off from his people. 
The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, You shall eat no fat of ox or sheep or goat, the fat of an animal that dies of itself, and the fat of one that is torn by beasts, may be put to any other use, but on no account shall you eat it. For every person who eats of the fat of an animal of which a food offering may be made to the Lord shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall eat no blood whatever, whether of fowl or of animal, in any of your dwelling places. Whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever offers a sacrifice of his peace offerings to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own hand shall bring the Lord's food offerings. He shall bring the fat with the breast, and that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be for Aaron and his sons. And the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a contribution for the sacrifice of the peace offerings. Whoever among the sons of Aaron offers the blood of the peace offerings, and the fat shall have the right thigh for a portion. For the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed, I have taken from the people of Israel out of the sacrifices of their peace offerings, and have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Israel. This is a portion of Aaron and of his sons from the Lord's food offerings from the day they were presented to serve as priests of the Lord. The Lord commanded us to be given them by the people of Israel in the day that he anointed them. It is a perpetual due throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, of the grain offering, of the sin offering, of the guilt offering, of the ordination offering, and of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day that he commanded the people of Israel to bring their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. So the end of that chapter, the chapter divisions, as we often say, are not original nor, I'll add, not necessarily canonical. I don't think they're canonical. But uh, so the, it, it says a summary there of different kind of offerings, but this chapter does not cover all those. So if you feel like you missed some of those that it mentions at the end, just because they were in previous uh, passages. So this one, call, this one covers mostly uh, guilt offering and peace offering. Here's some things I've noticed in those in that uh, in this chapter. This is something I hadn't really realized before, but apparently you, for all these as is mentioned here, well, before that, let's let's back up and say this is uh, it, the writing style is very different from what you've likely learned in high school or college English class. We have the, we have the sort of what I might call the beat the dead horse method of, uh, of sharing information, which is basically tell them five times what, what you're trying to say. You say, you tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them three points, what you're going to tell what you, what you tell them, and you tell them what you told them. So we have a very, we, we like to think of it as a very sophisticated way of sneaking repetition in there without making it so obvious, but we do repeat a lot of things. This uh, style, uh, you could you could divide it several different ways, but one way to describe it is I describe it as like 
like waves on a on the shore, waves on the beach. They just they wash over and they wash over a little bit more. And as they're each time they're washing, they're they're changing the landscape a little bit. They're bringing something else up or taking something away. Or, so uh, some of these concepts have already been introduced. They have not been uh, explained in their full detail, but they are introduced before this. So this one adds uh, additional waves of uh, explanation of what's going on. So it kind of fills in, fills in some details, leaves out some other details, but fills in other details as you go along. So really to understand what's going on here, I think you would need to read the whole book and uh, pretty fast. One sitting, possible, maybe take a break for coffee and a sandwich, but if you read the whole thing at once, I think it'll make more sense. Also, I think it was designed uh, to be, for you to get things out of it by hearing it Probably not necessarily reading it, but when you hear it, the repetition that it seems very annoying and kind of trips you up on your reading uh, starts to become uh, just sort of naturally starts to reinforce things that you're hearing uh, because you're. I think it actually aids them when you're listening to it more than perhaps if you're reading it. If you're reading it, you kind of you're. you're I find myself getting distracted in the details. Okay, well, why is it? I thought he repeated this over here, and why is. Uh, but when listening to it, like on an audio Bible, or someone else read it, it, it kind of starts to fall into place a little bit better, I feel like. Here's some things I've noticed. You kill your own sacrifice. I didn't realize that. Uh, I thought the priests uh, killed the sacrifice. You bring, basically, you bring it to them to do the whole do the whole deed. But no, you have to lay your hand on, on the animal, kill it yourself, and then they will finish processing it depending on what kind of uh, sacrifice it is. The... Uh, Interestingly, the, the peace offering, you do most of the of the flaying, of the butchering and everything yourself. And you bring, you separate out. So this like this this one kind of tripped me up. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I, I had to go into another room really quiet to, to understand this passage here, which I may or may not understand yet. Whoever offers a sacrifice of his peace offerings to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offerings. It sounds like talking in a circle at first glance. But I think what it's saying is when you bring that peace offering, you have to bring the, the portions that can be offered. So like it talks about the certain parts of the fat of the entrails and the kidneys and the liver, the long lobe of the liver. So basically you have to pre- to pre-butcher it before you bring it to the priest, because normally the priest would butcher a lot of the other things for you and separate out the parts that go here and the parts that go there. So that way you're doing more drone work. Uh, these concepts come with minimal definition, which implies to me that they would have already been understood, different kinds of offering. They would have already had a category for some kinds of offerings from uh, from their experience with God or perhaps from other religions they would have already had what already had been familiar it wasn't, it wasn't like they just did nothing religious or nothing sacrificial and all of a sudden he's like oh by the way there's this thing called sacrifice and then these things called burnt offerings and free will offerings he just mentions the terms as if it's something they already know so he's basically refining uh, something that they were already doing or something they were already aware of All right, so I'll skip down to my application points, which Josh, you know, likes, I think, best of all. 
right, number one, worship uh, is costly. I asked him, I don't have internet in my house. Use it, I can't get it. Sometimes I can kind of get a few bars from my neighbor's internet, but it's, I think it's probably stealing, so I kind of do that. But, uh, so I was like, hey, can you look up how much a female goat goes for these days? And so he said between 50 and 500, and we were both thinking that 50 was probably not the, would not be the, you know, female goat with no blemish. So you could be looking at, you know, a couple hundred, hundred, two hundred dollars, five hundred dollars for a really good goat that you're offering. So worship is costly. And if you're offering several of these things, you know, then that's, you know, upwards of a thousand dollars a trip to church, you know, so to speak. So that kind of puts that, that, Tells me, well, this whole this whole thing kind of is like it's, it's telling you that they would have to slow down, slow down. Take some, it takes a big chunk out of your life. It takes a chunk out of your time. It takes a chunk, chunk out of your resources. Uh, next point, it took time. So the, the travel time to go to the place where you need to go because it says in another place uh, you can't just offer anywhere because they were in the habit of just offering, I guess, by their house or whatever in their field. To make an offering to God or perhaps also to other other things. And he says, no, you have to come to one central location so we can, you know, make sure everything's done right. So travel tri travel time, ceremonial uh, washing. You, there are many, many ways you could be unclean. Sorry, Josh, but you couldn't, like, handle a snake and then immediately go offer your goat. You would have to, like, take a bath. And, like, like, after handling the snake, the really cool snake, you have to, like, take a bath. And wait till morning, and then not touch the snake until until we're done. That's how you usually do it. That's how you usually do it. <laughs> so, uh, so you have to think ahead. Like you can't just like, oh, I think I'll go offer this thing to God, and I'll just pop over to the, to the tabernacle and offer this thing. You had to think ahead. It was could involve could involve days of uh, of premeditation to get this done. The, the not only the sacrifice but the person offering it had to be clean, as we mentioned. So it's a lot of a lot of effort, a lot of forethought. And this one kind of stuck out to me. This is the one that sticks out to me the most. Was that the uh, the offering had to be? You had to eat it. it was, uh, within for one of them you had to eat within two days. For the other one you had to eat within one day. You couldn't even leave it over to the next day. So it has to be fresh. I think about. Uh, you know, David talks about like singing a new song, or uh, you know, if you've ever gone to these meetings where people talk about good things that God did to them, or through them, or for them in the past, and they, you know, after a while, maybe you get to hear people talk about something that happened in the past, but a lot, you know, that, that maybe their conversion experience or some miracle that happened to them, which is which is wonderful. It's definitely a good thing to remember what He's done in the past. Uh, to not do that would be ingratitude. But I also get the feeling that God wants us to have uh, fresh experiences. He wants us to kind of to keep a uh, maybe not a short account, but well, a short account with confession and that kind of thing. But also uh, looking for ways to make sure that it is uh, our relationship is active. That it's, it's not stale. So it's not not leftover so that for this to be acceptable you had to eat the sacrifice within uh, 
save date for, uh, which one was it? Well, uh, sorry, I can't find it right here. But yeah, sometimes, so within two days, so, you know, if, uh, never mind, keep it fresh, keep it fresh. All right, yeah. Leviticus chapter 8. All right. Consecration of Aaron and his sons. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him in the garments and the anointing oil and the bowl of the sin offering and the two rams and the basket of unleavened bread and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting and Moses did as the Lord commanded him and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting and Moses said to the congregation this is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done and Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water and he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his waist and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him binding it to him with a band and he placed the breast piece on him and in the breast piece he put the urim and thumim and on uh, and he set the turban on his head and on the turban in front he set the golden plate the holy crown as the lord commanded moses then moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them and he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all its utensils in the basin and its stands to consecrate them and he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him and Moses brought Aaron's sons and clothed them with coats and tied sashes around their waists and bound caps on them as the Lord commanded Moses then he brought the bowl of the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bowl of the sin offering, and he killed it. And Moses took the blood, and with his fingers put it on the horns of the altar, around it, and purified the altar, and poured out the blood at the base of the altar, and consecrated it to make atonement for it. And he took all the fat that was on the entrails, and the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull and its skin and its flesh and the dung he burned up with the fire outside the camp, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the ram of the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it. And Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar. He cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burned the head of the pieces in the fat. He washed the entrails and the legs with water, and Moses burned the whole ram around the altar. It was a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering for the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the other ram, the, random or, uh, the ram of ordination. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it. And Moses took some of the blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he presented Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears, and on the thumbs of the right hands, and on the big toes of the right feet. 
And Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar. Then he took the fat and the fat tail and all the fat that was on the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat and the right thigh. And out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened loaf and one loaf of bread with oil and one wafer and placed them on the pieces of fat on the right thigh. Then he put all these in the hands of Aaron in the hands of his sons and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then Moses took them from, with, from their hands and burned them on the altar with the burnt offering. This was an ordination offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it for, uh, for a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses's portion of the ram of ordination as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron in his garments and also on his sons and his son's garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his son and his son's garments with him. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the entrance of the tent of meaning, and there eat it, and the bread that is in the basket of ordination offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. And what remains of the flesh and the bread you shall burn up with fire, and you shall not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are completed, for it will take seven days to ordain you. As he has done today, the Lord has commanded to be done to make atonement for you. At the entrance of the tent of meeting you shall remain day and night for seven days, performing what the Lord has charged, so that you do not die, for so I have, uh, I have been commanded. And Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord commanded by Moses. All right, just a couple of quick things I noticed from uh, this passage. Um, contrary to what you said, Ian, I don't think there's actually any application here. Just, uh, I mean, like there's application here. Sorry, I, in my <laughs> in my write-up, I don't think I gave any application. Um, uh, other than my ordination was not so. Um, <laughs> we did not. We slaughtered nothing. I did not have to spend seven days in a in the tent of meeting or anything like that, and um, uh, and eat eat barbecued meat for several days. So, uh, so there, yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. There's 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 trade offs. So um, this is one of the first like uh, areas where the uh, that I remember at least where the, the narrative really breaks into the passage here, right? So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, prescription here in terms of this is what you do with this, 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 this is how you make different sacrifices. But this is actually talking about the sacrifice being played out with Aaron and his sons and Moses sort of initiating that priesthood, starting the priesthood up, beginning it, um, and the idea is that uh, you know this this priesthood will continue, and there will be able to be continuous sacrifices and that sort of thing. Um, kind of interestingly, like it it did not it didn't work out that way. Like if you want to be really depressed, read the Old Testament um, because you know that the all all the stuff that God told Aaron and his sons to do and the children of Israel to do. They mess it up very quickly and um, over and over and over again, and um, and actually, it's, it very much mirrors uh, church history in that respect too, right? So it gives them the command, and then um, so 
so you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So that's all happening like at the same time. That's, that's all the books of Moses. Then you have Joshua where they conquer the land. So it's like, all right, we conquered the land. We have the area we're going to stay. This is the land God promised to us. And then right after that, you have Judges. And the whole point in Judges is, um, the, the common refrain is, uh, everybody did what was right in his own eyes, uh, which, you know, to an American sounds like a libertarian paradise. It's not meant as a, uh, a compliment in the book of Judges. It's like just everybody was doing all this bad stuff. And um, uh, so it went off the rails really quickly. But, but this, is, this is where it was starting and this is where God was attempting to um, sort of uh, bring everything together under this system he had established uh, for the atonement of sins. Um, and actually, even to this day, you you know you'll, you'll still meet people of Jewish origin with the last name like Levi, um, or Levine, or uh, th those are those are typically the Levites who have still maintained uh, their uh, perhaps not their status as priests, but their their lineage as priests, which is kind of interesting and cool. Um, so two two things, two big things I noticed about this. Um, there's a lot that goes into this. Like this is very, very prescriptive. There's like you have to do this, this, this. You have to sprinkle this blood. You, you you have to burn up the fat. You have to burn up these parts outside of the tent of meeting. Um, and we have Aaron being suited up with all these things: the ephod, the the garments, the urim and thummim, which is like a um, essentially like a an acceptable form of, would divination be the right, I, I guess that would be the right term for it. Yeah, it's it's divination that was okay, all of their divination was not okay. Um, because obviously that has to do with the God you're seeking out and, and how he told you to seek him out. Um, but there's a lot of pomp and there's gold and there's all these things and it's, uh, I, I think it's very interesting and telling that the God that is the God of all this stuff of gold and pomp and is also the God of uh, underground churches and um, uh, and and you know sort of you, you could say like uh, um, Protestant Christianity and Pentecostal Christianity all these forms of following God that are very um, you could call them primitive or, or simplistic I guess would be the right word God is the God of all of that. Um, and that's really comforting for me uh, to to know that, like, you can look at uh, you can look at all the different religious backgrounds and see that they're kind of echoes of something that God has established. They're, now, obviously, if it's not Christianity, if it's not following Christ, they are they are doing it wrong. They are not seeking after Christ. They're not putting their alliance in Christ, and so that's that's bad. But the fact that um, that God is the one who fills all things in all ways. He has, uh, he has this uh, this system he established where things are very uh, formal and, and very uh, rigid, but then he also establishes the church where we worship in spirit and truth. Um, uh, I, I find that remarkably comforting that, that, uh, that what we, uh, the God we follow, um, includes all of that because he knows how he made us um, uh, and I think it was uh, GK Chesterton actually made 
kind of a similar argument with with how there there are very few there's probably only two religions that that sort of mesh the pomp and the gold and all that with the sort of simplicity you usually get one or the other uh, and and um, because this is uh, following Christ following God following Yahweh is the the true religion so to speak that that is um, uh, that makes sense uh, second thing I noticed uh, as I was trying to visualize all these things happening um, if you don't know this about me I can't actually visualize things but I can sometimes get very murky pictures and I just got this this uh, refrain of you slaughter this animal and you're sprinkling the blood all around and you're putting blood on your right earlobe and your right big toe um, and your right thumb um, which you know uh, when you, if you read about it without thinking about it too much you're like okay this is a very holy uh, act and and it is that that is true so they, that's something that gets captured when we think about it um, but if you try to visualize it, it's very uh, not pretty, right? Um, I, if you've ever had to deal with a a dying animal, it is not pretty. It's not like they just they're they're just there and they're like, okay, um, you know that that was the thing that was the thing about Jesus was like he was he was like a lamb to the slaughter that didn't resist. Um, they can make that connection because. There's goats and, and all sorts of other animals that you do sacrifice on, and they're not just going to take it. They're they're um, and, and then uh, taking that blood and spreading it around. It's very gruesome in a way, um, and I, I take comfort in that. That uh, you know, there's the idealized picture that we get when we read the passage, but then there's the reality, which is um, which is messier. That, that following God isn't always a pretty thing when you're in it, right? You can follow God and like, oh, this is not like idealized like I got from my youth pastor when I was 14. Um, and, and this isn't always pretty, but I can still know the, well, I can still pursue the correct way to do it. I can, I can pursue Jesus and uh, I can, and it's right. So it's not always pretty. But it's right. Um, so, and that's all I got. Russell, if you want to come up and read us chapter 9 and talk to us about 9. Yes, I'm done. <laughs> Okay, so like Josh was talking about in chapter 8 then, the Lord through Moses called Aaron and his sons to the priesthood. Um, they were the first priests, you know, through their uh, ordination, their consecration to become the priests to all the people of Israel. Um, and um, so um, for seven, one of the things that struck me in 8, and I'm not going to go back and obviously do all Josh, but one of the things that struck me, of course, it says for the seven days, of course, the consecration service, the ordination service took place where they could not leave out of the door of the tent of meeting, of course. Um, 
And then, um, and then chapter 9, as we begin chapter 9, Moses called Aaron and his sons and all the elders of Israel together. And of course, it is the eighth day of the consecration. Okay? It is the day that the priests, led by Aaron, the chief priest now, will actually begin their ministry to the people of Israel and continue. As Josh said, there was you know, trouble later on, but at least for now, we're beginning a ministry to uh, the Israelites, to God's people. And so, as we start, let's look at chapter 9. On the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord, and say to the people of Israel, Take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both a year old without blemish, for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for a peace offering to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. Okay, so notice that in, in this, uh, that even though that Aaron and his sons had just spent the last seven days undergoing purification, every day the sin offering, the burnt offering, everything like that, on the eighth day, as they have come out of the tent of meeting and started this, they still had to offer up a sin offering, a burnt offering, um, um, peace offering, those kinds of things for the Lord. It, of course, is because we, as humans, as people, are sinful people. Even though Aaron and his sons were going to be the chief priests and priests of Israel, they still acknowledge that they were sinful. Each and every time, of course, they had to themselves become ritually clean through these sacrifices uh, in order to then minister to the people, okay? Um, the sin offering, of course, was offered first because uh, it was meant to appease uh, God, to, to make favorable before the Lord because we're all sinners. It's the first thing you have to do is you have to confess the sin, okay? Before any of the rest of the offerings, that's one of the things I observed in that, you know, it's always like, is the order important? Yes, it is because the sin offering has to come first. Then the burnt offering, and then I'm not sure the rest of it. Uh, Opal asked me a question this morning about the order of the all the different offerings. I'm like, I'm not 100% certain. I'm still working on trying to figure that out. Leviticus is really quite um, um, dense in information, and it takes a while to figure it out. I, even reading it several times, it's like still trying to get all those orders. But still, okay, so Moses, who was leading them, but consecrated Aaron and his sons then as the new uh, priest and chief priest and priests before the people of Israel. Now, let's read on from chapter from verse 5 of what happened then. And they brought what Moses commanded in front of the tent of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses and Moses commanded in front of the tent of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, This is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Then Moses said to Aaron, Draw near to the altar, and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and for the people, and bring the offering of the people, and make atonement for them, as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron drew near to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. And the sons of Aaron um, presented the blood to him, and he his, dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the base of the altar. But 
but the fat and the sorry, got to get my glasses in the right place here. Um, but the fat and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering the he burned up on the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. The flesh and the skin he burned up with fire outside of the camp. Then he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar. And they handed the burnt offering to him piece by piece, and the head, and he burned them on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs and burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Okay. Um, let's see. Then he presented the people's offering and took the goat of the sin offering and was for the people and killed it and offered it as a sin offering like the first one. And he presented the burnt offering and offered it according to the rule. And he presented the grain offering, took a handful of it and burned it on the altar besides the burnt offering of the morning. Then he killed the ox and the ram, the sacrifice of the peace offerings for the people and Aaron's sons handed him the blood and he threw it against the sides of the altar. But the fat pieces, the ox and the ram, the fat and the tail, that, was, that which covers the entrails and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver, they put the fat pieces on the breasts, and he burned the fat pieces on the altar. But the breasts and the right thigh Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them, and he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all people. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of the fat on the altar. And when all the other people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Okay, so after Aaron, first off, Aaron and his son sacrificed for themselves. Then they got the goats and the rams for the congregation, for the assembled Israelites there. And they burnt them on the altar too. In the sacrifice to forgive them of their sins and the burnt offering for... Um, and the uh, um, the burnt offering and the grain offerings and things like that. There, he burnt those on the altar. Of course, to for to have for God not only to forgive Aaron and his son's sins, but then also forgive the sins then of the Israelites themselves. Okay, the first ceremony of forgiveness of cleanliness of their sins before God. Now we know they're going to do this now on perpetually at least for a while. Uh, to forgive them of their sins. This, of course, was the first one. Um, and um, as I was reading this, of course, I was thinking, I mean, I, I was sort of like what Josh said a few minutes ago, I think. It's like when I saw, you know, when you think about this, it's like, you know, if you've ever been around the slaughter of animals, you're like, well, okay. Um, <laughs> this doesn't seem as pleasant as, as it would seem. And, of course, they, this was now a ritual where they had to do, you know, God had commanded them to do this uh, on and on. Um but it's important because obviously the sacrifices before God, the sin, this, was, this of course was well before. Um, my thinking was, I'm glad it was not us because, you know, obviously we had the perfect sacrifice. We had Jesus who was uh, sacrificed on the cross for us. And so we no longer had to worry about the sacrificing of animals uh, and the burnt offerings and all the rest of the stuff that we had to worry about. Uh, and so, you know, as I thought about it, it's like... Um, it, it, uh, you know, it, it was important, obviously, in the day and, and, and starting and establishing the priesthood. But of course, nowadays, our priesthood with our high priest Jesus is so much, so much 
I won't say easier because obviously we still sin. We're all still sinful. We have the sin nature. But we, of course, uh, ask for and atone for our sins through Jesus. We don't have to sacrifice these animals uh, as they did in the Old Testament. All right. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer as we, as we get ready to close today before Kathy sings our last song. Heavenly Father, as always, we thank you for your word. Sometimes it is a little hard to understand, Heavenly Father, and especially these older sacrifices that we are not familiar with. But we know each and everything that you have in your word, Heavenly Father, is important. It is uh, a part of who you are, a part of worship and, and sacrifice to you. And so we thank you for them, even as we have to read much harder, read much deeper to understand them, Heavenly Father, it is still your word. And we thank you always for the word that you provide for the guidance. We thank you, of course, Heavenly Father, for the sacrifice of your Son, our ultimate sacrifice, our ultimate uh, blemish-free sacrifice that we might come before you. But prior to that, of course, the sacrifices that uh, your early people had to make. Thank you, as always, Heavenly Father. Help us to understand your word. Help us to go back to read and study your word each and every day. And thank you for the many, many, many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.
I want to thank all of you for coming today, all of you who have joined us online for our service today. Just a quick reminder that uh, the uh, um, visitation and memorial service for Steve's dad will be next Saturday at uh, Beam Funeral Home from 10 a.m. until noon uh, with that short memorial service after that. Otherwise, everybody, please go in peace, uh, in God's peace this week. Spread the message, of course, to this uh, very sinful world that they need to hear the word of God. Thank you.